chapter 34, if you will turn there with me, and we will begin reading in verse 29, 2 Chronicles chapter 34. Then the king sent and gathered together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem, and the king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the priests and the Levites, all the people both great and small. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of the covenant that were written in this book. Then he made all who were present in Jerusalem and in Benjamin join in it. And the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God, the God of their fathers. And Josiah took away all the abominations from all the territory that belonged to the people of Israel and made all who were present in Israel serve the Lord their God all his days. They did not turn away <coughs> from following the Lord, the God of their fathers." And then in 2 Kings chapter 23, 2 Kings chapter 23, beginning in verse 1. Then the king sent, and all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem were gathered to him. And the king went up to the house of the Lord, and with him all the men of Judah, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and the priests and the prophets, all the people, both small and great. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book, and all the people joined in the covenant. Thus ends the reading of God's very word. Let's pray. Blessed Lord, how we thank you for your word. We thank you for this amazing event uh, that you recorded for us, that you brought uh, revival uh, to your people in the days of this godly king, King Josiah. And Lord, we beg that you would pour forth your spirit upon us, upon our families, upon our church family, upon the people of this region, our whole nation, uh, Lord, to experience uh, finding your word anew and to respond, repenting of our sins and turning to you, Lord Jesus, and that we would make covenant with you the covenant God, according to the book of the covenant, according to the covenant that you have revealed to us of your amazing saving work of grace in your Son, and that, Lord, we would believe in you. Lord, those of us who are Christians, that it would be a day of renewal, renewing the covenant. And Lord, if there be any apart from you listening this day, Lord, that they would run to you and gladly embrace you as their king, as their Lord. Uh, believing that you, Lord Jesus, not only died uh, uh, for them upon the cross, but you have been raised from the dead. And you are the risen, exalted, reigning Lord. Oh Lord, teach us about the covenant. 
In Christ we pray. Amen. In Second Chronicles, uh, we see in our text um, what happened when this book, this portion of Scripture, was found. Uh, King Josiah is in his 18th year of his reign and ordered that the temple be uh, refurbished. And while the workmen were working on that, uh, they discovered some scrolls that were in the library uh, of the basement uh, part of the temple. Uh, and these scrolls had been neglected. We do not know for how many generations. Uh, but when this workman uh, discovered it, he pulled it out, blew the dust off, and he thought, whoa, uh, this is a portion of God's Word that we have neglected for generations. And took it and gave it to the uh, uh, man who was in charge, Hilkiah uh, and Shaphan, uh, and they take it then to the king. And when the king hears this portion of Scripture, um, he repented. He tore his clothes and he sent word, inquire of the Lord for me. What's going to happen to us? Because we have sinned against the Lord. And his wrath burns hot against us because we have done exactly what he warned us not to do. We have turned our back on him and have embraced uh, these foreign gods uh, and, and rejected the Christ and worshipped and set up idols uh, and offered sacrifices to them. And so the word of the Lord comes back to King Josiah. Yes, I am going to destroy Jerusalem. I'm going to bring upon this people all that I had warned. And you can read in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28 and Leviticus chapter 26 the blessings God promised that if His people uh, would seek His face and love the Christ, He said, I will bless you coming and going. I will bless you in your own hearts, in your homes, in your workplace. I will bless you in your cities. I will bless you militarily. I will bless you economically. I will bless you until you don't know what to do with all of the blessings that I shower upon you. But if you turn away from the Christ, I will bring these chastenings upon you. I will bring confusion. I will bring darkness upon the people of this land. I will bring plagues. I will bring economic distress. Instead of you lending to all the nations, you will borrow from all the nations. And if you still persist as these chastenings unfold, I will chasten you seven times more. I will chasten you seven times more. If you still don't repent, seven times more, culminating in God saying, ultimately, if you still persist, I will cause a nation who will speak a language that you can't even understand to come and attack you and destroy this city, and destroy this house where I said I would put my name forever. And it will be destroyed to the ground, and I will carry you off to the four corners of the earth. Well, he also said, but I'm not going to do it in your day. King Josiah, because you humbled yourself, I am going to have mercy upon you. And this revival then breaks out during the rest of the lifetime of King Josiah. Through his whole reign, there is a, a reprieve. There is a generation that, at least outwardly, 
goes through the motions of seeking the face of the Lord. Now, as we're going to see, as soon as King Josiah died, the people turned back away from the Lord. But today we're going to look at this amazing revival that culminated in King Josiah leading the people to hear the words of the book of the covenant. And you see that in uh, uh, verse 30. And then he made a covenant before the Lord. And then he asked all the people to join with him in renewing the covenant. And they do. Now you remember last week we said that the Hebrew word that is translated made a covenant is the Hebrew word karat, to cut, to cut a covenant. And this term karat in the Hebrew, it is the, the word that is used to hew timbers. It is the word that literally can describe cutting. And I ask you to read three passages of Scripture. So turn with me to Genesis chapter 15. And here we have in this passage of Scripture the Lord revealing uh, uh, to us uh, God renewing the covenant with Abram. Now God had already called Abram unto himself. And you can read about that in Genesis chapter 12. And the book of Acts and the book of Joshua chapter 24 describe for us that the Lord himself appeared to Abraham and spoke these words to him. And it really is a, a thrilling thing to think about uh, uh, God appearing. And that's why this time of year is, is such a sweet and exciting time for us because God came and appeared. He took on human flesh permanently this time. But all through the Old Testament, the second person of the Godhead, the Son of God, he was the one who has the unique role in the Godhead of revealing God, of making God known to people. And so here we have in Genesis 15, three men show up at Abram's door um, and you can read about that in um, the promise that God made in um, chapter um, 15. Here we have, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Uh, Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. And he repeats this same promise uh, in Genesis 18, when three men appear, two are angels, but one is the Lord himself. And in Genesis 15, the Lord had appeared and said, Fear not, Abram, I am your shield, your very great reward. And Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. Number the stars. Have you ever tried to count the stars? And now that we have telescopes, we see that many of those stars that we can see are not just stars, but many of those stars are even whole other galaxies. Billions and billions and billions of stars. Abram, look toward heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. And then he said, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, 
and he counted it to him as righteousness. Uh, God is renewing uh, his, his covenant with Abram. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? Abram believed, but he said, Lord, you've got to help me. <laughs> how, how, how do I know for sure that I'm going to possess this land? He said to him, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Now, years ago, I, I, I uh, teased everybody in Sunday morning. I said, tonight, I, I'm going to look at a chapter in the Bible that if I ever get arrested for preaching the gospel and get thrown in prison... And you come and visit me, they won't let you smuggle a whole Bible uh, into me, but you think you maybe could smuggle one page of the Bible. Which one page of the Bible would I want if you could just bring me one page? And, you know, people came up to me and said, I bet you'd want Romans 8 or, you know, Psalm 90, Psalm 23, and I, I said, I wouldn't turn anything down. But if I had my pick, I think this chapter in Genesis 15 would be my pick. And I'll never forget when I read the, the chapter that night, and, and we started reading about Abram cutting these animals up and then spending the rest of the day driving the vultures away. I mean, people, I can tell people are kind of scrunching their face up going, why would Pastor Henry want a passage like this? Well, let's keep reading. Verse 12. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. And then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve. And afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And so God gives Abram this summary of the history of what's going to happen. That Abram, he's going to live to be a ripe old age and die, his descendants are going to be carried away to a foreign land where they will be enslaved, Egypt. And then in the fourth generation, they will be brought back and those descendants of Abraham will inherit the land. And the reason the Lord was delaying in all of that uh, he says the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Uh, like a boil. It hadn't come to a head yet. It wasn't time for that boil to be lanced. And so he was going to allow uh, the wickedness of the Amorites there in the promised land uh, to continue to grow until it was time for the judgment to come. And then the Lord would drive them out of the land and give the land to his people. And so God reveals this history. And then verse 17, when the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces, the animals that had been cut up. 
on that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram. And it's the same Hebrew word, karat. It is this act of God cutting, having Abram cut these animals in two. And the representation of God himself passes between these parts. Now what's going on here? Why is that such an amazing thing? Well, on that day the Lord made, cut a covenant with Abram saying, To your offspring I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. All right, you can keep your finger there. We will come back to Genesis 15 momentarily, but let's also go over to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 34. And here we have now a passage that explains to us the significance of these animals being cut up and people walking between the parts of these animals in making a covenant, cutting a covenant. And so in Jeremiah chapter 34, beginning in verse 1, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord when Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and all his army, and all the kingdoms of the earth under his dominion, and all the peoples were fighting against Jerusalem and all of its cities. And so here's the backdrop. King Nebuchadnezzar has come with his army and has besieged Jerusalem and all of the other cities that were lesser cities. Jerusalem, the capital city uh, of, of Judah. Uh, and the things look bleak. Nebuchadnezzar has a huge army. And the city is sealed off. And so verse 2, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Go and speak to Zedekiah, king of Judah, and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am giving this city into the hand of the king of Babylon. He shall burn it with fire. This is after King Josiah. Uh, his sons became king. And it's one of those sons now that is the king that we're talking about. He shall burn it with fire. You shall not escape from his hand, but shall surely be captured and delivered into his hand. You shall see the king of Babylon eye to eye and speak with him face to face, and you shall go to Babylon. Yet hear the word of the Lord, O Zedekiah, king of Judah. Thus says the Lord concerning you, you shall not die by the sword, you shall die in peace. And as spices were burned for your fathers, the former kings who were before you, so people shall burn spices for you and lament for you, saying, Alas, Lord, for I have spoken the word, declares the Lord. Then Jeremiah the prophet spoke all these words to Zedekiah, king of Judah, in Jerusalem, when the army of the king of Babylon was fighting against Jerusalem and against all the cities of Judah that were left, Lachish and Azekah, for these were the only fortified cities of Judah that remained. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord after King Zedekiah had made a covenant, cut a covenant. And so what happened when Nebuchadnezzar was outside, Zedekiah said, you know, I think it'd be a good time for us to humble ourselves before the Lord and turn from our sin and recommit ourselves to follow the Lord. Perhaps the Lord would have mercy on us and spare us from King Nebuchadnezzar. And so he cut a covenant. He renewed the covenant that day in Jerusalem while Nebuchadnezzar was outside. And now Jeremiah is reminding Zedekiah the prophet Jeremiah is saying, Zedekiah, do you remember when y'all cut the covenant and you promised 
anew to follow the Christ? Do you remember doing that? Let's keep reading. The word, verse 8, that came to Jeremiah from the Lord after King Zedekiah had cut a covenant, made a covenant with all the people in Jerusalem to make a proclamation of liberty to them that everyone should set free his Hebrew slaves, male and female, so that no one should enslave a Jew, his brother. And so one of the expressions of this revival that Zedekiah led was, he said, listen, we have not been practicing the Sabbaths. We have not been letting the land rest every seven years. We've not been turning everybody free on the Jubilee year, every 50th year, and every week we've just been doing business as usual. We have not been seeking the face of the Lord, resting in Him, trusting and obeying the Christ. And so when they cut the covenant in Zedekiah's day, they said, we need to repent. We need to turn from our wicked ways. And one of the things that was the expression of this repentance was they released the slaves. Now, the way uh, they dealt with uh, financial distress, and you can read about this over in the book of Leviticus, um, where the Lord had, had instructed about the jubilee and the liberty bell as it's referred to, has a verse from the book of Leviticus inscribed on the bell with the reference to Leviticus. Thus proclaim liberty throughout all the land. And if you got in financial trouble, what you would do is I would come to you and I would say, listen, I can't pay my debt, so I am going to become your servant for the next six years. You buy my work and pay my debt off, and for the next six years, I'm going to work for you. And at the end of that time, we're good. And I can, I, I can go back uh, to being free and doing my own thing. Um, the Jubilee year was that... Uh, uh, even the land that had been tied up, the family inheritance, it would return to the families on the 50th year. And so there were details and provisions. Well, what God's people had been doing, they said, you know, this is a pretty good deal. Uh, I like Henry's free labor. Uh, at the end of six years, I think I'm just going to extend it another six years. You're not free. You haven't paid enough. And when the Jubilee year would come up, they would say, well, uh, this debt was bigger than we originally thought. Uh, you, you can't have uh, your family property back. And so that's what was going on. And so Zedekiah said, we need to start doing what's right in God's sight. It's wrong for us to keep our brothers and sisters uh, enslaved. And so, in Jeremiah 34, verse 10, And they obeyed all the officials, all the people who had entered into the covenant, that everyone would set free his slave, male or female, so they would not be enslaved again. They obeyed and set them free. So they went through this ritual there in Jerusalem. And they had everybody who was a slave line up at the courthouse. And they had this elaborate ceremony when they cut the covenant. And then as they walked out the back door of the courthouse, they said, just kidding. 
You're still a slave. We needed to go through this ritual because we want things to look good between us and God, but we can't let you go. And so, verse 11, But afterward they turned around and took back the male and female slaves they had set free and brought them into subjection as slaves. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I myself made a covenant with your fathers when I brought them out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, saying, at the end of seven years, each of you must set free the fellow Hebrew who has been sold to you and has served you six years. You must set him free from your service. But your fathers did not listen to me or incline their ears to me. You recently repented and did what was right in my eyes by proclaiming liberty, each to his neighbor. And you made a covenant, cut a covenant. Before me in the house that is called by my name. But then you turned around and profaned my name when each of you took back his male and female slaves whom you had set free according to their desire. And you brought them into subjection to be your slaves. Therefore thus says the Lord, you have not obeyed me by proclaiming liberty. Everyone to his brother and to his neighbor. Behold, I proclaim liberty to the sword to pestilence, and to famine, declares the Lord. I will make you a horror to all the kingdoms of the earth, and the men who transgressed my covenant and did not keep the terms of the covenant that they made before me. I will make them like the calf that they cut into two and pass between its parts. Now, do you see what's going on? When they would make a covenant, they would cut. Karat. They would cut a covenant. They would kill an animal. And they would walk between the parts of that animal. And they would call God to be witness. God, so be it done to me as has been done to this animal if I don't keep my promise to you. That was making the covenant, cutting the covenant. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 6. And so why is this so thrilling in Genesis 15? Because here God is cutting the covenant. Now we see that Abram, he is renewing his commitment, uh, but it's in the face of God making the covenant. What's going on? Well, look at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, and here's our quote now from Genesis 15, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation, calling God to witness. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. And so God had made a promise to Abraham. And Abraham believed. But he said, Lord, I, I do believe, but... These are pretty amazing promises you've made me. How can I really know for sure? I mean, I don't even have a child. How do I know for sure that you're going to give me this land? How do I know for sure that I'm going to have descendants? How do I know for sure that in the fullness of time, Messiah will come from me? How do I know? And God cut a covenant with Abram. And he said, Abram, I want you to kill these animals 
And since God could not swear by anyone greater than himself, he swore by himself. And God himself passed between the parts of those animals. And God said, Abram, so be it done to me as has been done to these animals if I do not fulfill my promise to you. Now just stop and think about that. We know that God cannot lie. His promise, His word, that's the first unchangeable thing. But then the oath of God taking upon Himself this commitment, I promise you that my gospel is true that my promises to you will never fail or I will not be God. And we know that that could never be because God is the eternal God forever and ever. And so Abram, he says, God, how can I know for sure? And God says, okay, I love you. I'm, I'm going to help you. Take these animals, kill them. And God himself walks between the parts and says, Abram, you, you, you can bank your very life because I will not be God if any of my promises fail to you. Now, I don't know about you, but that, that is just amazing. And what did God do in the fullness of time? God himself comes and Jesus does die, not for himself, but for us, so that we can be in relationship with the living God, so that we can be God's covenant people. And when we see the covenant God who created the universe and made us and knit us together in my, our mother's womb, and we see that we are fallen and alienated from God according to the covenant of works. And we see that God has given His Son to be the Redeemer in the covenant of grace. What happens to us? When we experience the grace of God, we see how great God is. And we believe in this covenant God. And we say, Lord, I am Yours. Lord, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm yours. You have purchased me with your blood. I'm no longer my own. I'm yours, Lord. And, and the rest of my life, I, it is my joy and my delight to follow you. It is my joy to give myself to you, my covenant God. And so that's what Josiah is doing when he cuts the covenant with the Lord. He's just renewing and saying, Indeed, Lord, you are the God who has made covenant with me. And I acknowledge that and I delight to be yours and to follow you and serve you all the rest of my days. And he tells the people, he said, let me read the words of the covenant. The Bible is God's covenant book. The whole Bible. From Genesis to Revelation. And the God of the Bible has a people that he has cut a covenant with. And if you belong to Jesus, what is your response? Turn with me to Psalm 110. Psalm 110. Uh, Psalm 110 says, verse 1, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Here's the Lord, the covenant Lord, Messiah. And the Father says, Sit at my right hand. You sit on my throne until I make all of your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. Rule in the midst of your enemies. And verse 3. Your people will give themselves as freewill offerings. Is literally what the Hebrew says. Your people will be freewill offerings. Now what was a freewill offering? Well, there were offerings that God required. 
guilt offerings. You had to bring a, 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 an animal, and the blood of that animal had to be shed pointing to the Lamb of God. It, that was the first thing that God required. And then there were other sacrifices then that you could voluntarily offer. And one of those was the free will offering. Where God, because he was so great and had been so good to you, you'd say, Lord, I, I, I just, I can't, I can't help it. I've got to offer this free will offering just to say thank you. Just to say, Lord, you are so good. I, I love you with all my heart. And God's people offer themselves in the day of Messiah's power. God offers, we offer to God ourselves as free will offerings. We see by the eye of faith Jesus upon his throne. And we delight to give ourselves to him. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, on the basis of what God has done for us in Jesus. To what? To present your bodies as what? A living sacrifice. Here's his free will offering. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship or your reasonable service. Reasonable service. Uh, this is the response. And so what King Josiah was doing in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 34, he said, God, you are the covenant God and I belong to you. And so when we profess our faith in Christ, when we take our stand with God's people, uh, these vows that we call the Bible basics of being a Christian, do you believe that the Bible is the infallible, authoritative Word of God, the only standard for faith and practice? that's the basis upon which we are in relationship with the living God. That's the covenant. It's His Word. That's why that's the first of these vows. And then vows two and three. Do you acknowledge yourself to be a sinner in the sight of God, justly deserving His displeasure, and without hope, save in His sovereign mercy? I'm fallen in Adam. And the only way I can have relationship with God now that is not one of being under his judgment. See, everybody's in relationship with God. You can't avoid that. You are either in relationship with him according to the covenant of works. And if that's where you are, you're under the wrath and judgment of God Almighty. Or if by the grace of God you see I'm a sinner and you see Jesus and his nail-scarred hands held forth to you and you run to him and embrace him, uh, then we have the joy of being in relationship with God as one of his forgiven, blood-bought little children. But that's the bottom line, is we need Jesus. He is the covenant Savior. And the third vow, do you now receive and rest upon Jesus alone, the Son of God, the Savior of sinners, as he's offered in the gospel? And, and, and God's people say, yes, I belong to this God. I'm in covenant with him through the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the, the God of grace and mercy. Do you now resolve and promise in humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit that you will endeavor to live as becometh a follower of Christ. Yeah. Lord, I, I, I'm, 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 you're my covenant God. You've given your Son to take my curse upon yourself, so I'm yours, Lord. Do you now support the church in its worship and work to the best of your ability. 
I'm taking my stand with God's people in this visible expression of the body of Christ. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Do you submit yourself to the government and discipline of the church? Praise God, uh, the preacher is not the head of the church. Isn't that sweet? That's good. Jesus is the king and the head of the church. The elders aren't the head of the church. Jesus is the king and the head of the church. And he sends his message boys to care for his lambs, to feed his lambs, to call his lambs together when they stray to go after them. But the only authority the elders of this church have is to just speak what God says in Holy Scripture. And God's people who are in covenant say, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to bow before King Jesus' rule. I'm going to give my ear to listen to those who would teach me the Word of God. And I will pursue the purity and peace of the church. When a problem comes up, I'm going to seek to solve it God's way. I'm not going to just do what the world does, which is just walk off mad. I'm going to be a peacemaker. I'm going to run after peace. And Matthew chapter 18 tells us, if your brother sins, you do what? You go to him in private, and you confront him with his sin. If he listens to you, then what? You've won your brother. But if he doesn't listen, then what? You take one or two more with you so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every fact may be confirmed. And if he still doesn't listen, then you go to the church. And if he doesn't listen to the church, then let him be to you as a tax collector and a Gentile. That's what God says. And when people are in covenant, with the Lord. That's what King Josiah, he's saying, Lord, I'm yours, and I'm going to follow you. And whatever you say in the book, that's what I'm committing to be and do. And I am asking for those around me to help me and hold me accountable to your word. We need the covenant. We need to renew the covenant today. If you are a professing Christian, give yourself anew to Jesus. And if you don't belong to Jesus, you need him. And I would love to talk with you after the benediction today about how to become a child of God. You parents, you have taken vows covenant vows to raise covenant children in the ways of the Lord. You need to think about those promises you have made. And you need to give yourself anew this day. It's not enough to just go through the motions. The people in Jeremiah's day, God says, you maybe have forgotten the covenant you made. I haven't. If you're married, you've made covenant promises, calling God to be witness. You've walked between the parts with your husband, with your wife, saying, God, we're asking you to bless us or judge us. This is the covenant. You know, last week, a couple of people came up to me and said, you know, I'd never thought about the expression cutting a deal, but it kind of takes on a whole new, you know, light when you think about cutting a deal with somebody. Well, Jesus has cut a deal with us, and he was willing to lay down his life upon the cross and take our hell upon himself so that we can belong to him and so that we can live walking with our Savior. That's what happened in King Josiah's heart. He said, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you. You're my covenant God. 
Oh, I wish we had time. We'd go over to Deuteronomy chapter 29 and read about the covenant that God renewed with his people that he had rescued out of bondage from Egypt. And he renewed it again. Well, God's calling upon us today to renew our commitment to follow Jesus. Jesus, he has given himself. And he claims his people for his own. And our response is, Lord, I'm yours. Amen. Father, we ask that you would write upon our hearts this portion of Scripture. Lord, that you would write it on our hearts that the next time we are in the midst of a, uh, a heartbreaking situation, that, Lord, we would not despair, but we would remember that you yourself passed between the parts. And your promises will always be true to us who belong to you in your Son, the Lord Jesus. We thank you as we read at the end of Galatians chapter 3 that whoever belongs to Jesus, that we are Abraham's children, heirs according to promise. That whatever you promised Abraham in Jesus, you give that promise to us. And so, Lord, thank you that we are a people who have hope. Lord, as we struggle with our own sin, oh Lord, thank you that you promise uh, to forgive us as we repent and turn to you afresh, even this day. Thank you, O oh Lord, that we have the joy of giving ourselves anew to you, to be yours not only in our own hearts to turn our back on the world and follow you, but Lord Jesus, in our homes as husbands and wives, as parents and children, as your people in this church family. Lord, we've made covenants because you are our covenant God. And we delight, Lord, to renew that covenant even this day. How we thank you, Lord Jesus, that the blood of the eternal covenant is what you were willing to spill, to shed, to rescue us. Bless now as we sing praise to you and our commitment to follow you afresh. Further your gospel. Have mercy upon our land. Awaken the people of this land. Oh, Lord, we beg that you would grant what you did in King Josiah's day, in our day. In Jesus we pray, amen.